0: And so I wanted to encourage you guys. Come on. Can we welcome District Jimmy Withers? Amen. Isn't Ben the best? God bless you, brother. I, uh, I appreciate Ben so much. I was thinking just a minute ago, uh, you're talking about our adventures. Um, it, it, hey, buddy. That's my grandson. Uh, <laughs> If uh, if you've ever been to a third world country that uh, has no air conditioning, no electricity in your in your house, uh, that's an experience. And we were in Haiti. I think I shared this last year, uh, right after the um, earthquake. And so um, we're baking like little gingerbread men in this house. It's concrete block. There's no air conditioning. Uh, we do have uh, electricity from the generator, and uh, so. Uh, I have this big, huge fan. It's a, it's a house Jack Iverstein is rented. It's a big, huge fan. It's blowing like, you know, an airplane engine fan. And so, um, but it's sweltering. You know, you wake up in the morning, it's like almost 110 degrees in the room. And uh, so I uh, went to bed that night and poor Kirby and Jen are in there and they're baking like little cookies. And, and Ben's in there, he's baking like a cookie. And Becca's in the other room baking like a shortbread. And, and so I wake up during the night and I, and I see something in my face and I look, what is that? It's in my bed, and it's Ben's hairy leg <laughs> so, so all of them have come in my room because I've got a fan, and uh, bless their heart they just it was just sweltering, sweltering, but yeah we have, uh, we've made some we've had some experiences. So if you have your Bibles this morning, turn to um, Psalms 119. We're going to call this investing for a legacy, outlive your life. Amen. We want to outlive our lives, lay down a legacy. I want to read something to you. The best expenditure you will ever make is a legacy of a well-invested life. The Bible speaks of investing both for time and eternity, providing a legacy that will outlive us on earth and eternal returns that will never fade in heaven. Someone has said the real measure of our wealth is what we would be worth if we lost all of our money. So number one, invest in God's word. The Bible tells us, I'm sorry, I got ahead of you there, brother. Your word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heaven. We can hardly make a better investment than investing in our creator's manual. As you know, there's a tremendous amount of student debt out there. And there's a lot of conversation about what to do with it. The, the great thing, the good news is that God has a scholarship for you. It's free. God's word is free, and we can invest ourselves in beginning to study it. Um, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. If you have a willingness, God will be your professor every day and invest in your life. Just spending some time, a lot of us, we spend a, quite a bit of time on social media. If we could just cut that back. And, and devote 15 minutes a day to serious time, or 20 minutes, to serious time of study in God's Word. It will pay huge dividends, not only in this life, but in the next. Our willingness just to be able to to, to study God's Word. We, well, we say, well, how do we do that? The Bible tells us in Timothy, "...study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman, workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth." Uh, You know, uh, some of you are history buffs. You remember George Washington Carver? From your history, uh, Dr. Carver would, every morning, he would go into his laboratory, open the door. He would go in there with a pencil and a notebook, and he would close the door behind him, and he would say, Lord, would you please open this peanut for me or open this sweet potato for me? You know, God is willing to be our teacher. The psalmist said it best Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. You know, if we are willing to uh, just devote ourselves to a bit of study, God is willing to show himself and reveal himself to us. You know, the Bible is what we call a meta narrative, it's many stories blended into one. It tells a unifying story about Jesus. He, he you know, we, we come here every week and we, we have the opportunity to connect with the body of Christ. And that is a blessing. I see Christ in your lives. We experience God in prayer, but primarily God is going to reveal himself through his holy record, through the word of God. And uh, the, the Bible tells us in Jeremiah you shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. God wants to encourage us in, as we read the scriptures. We were talking the other night uh, to the youth back in the back. What I want to challenge you to do is start in Genesis today. If you're not in a reading plan already, I want you to start in Genesis tonight and begin reading. It'll take you about 40 hours. Go front to co- front to back, cover to cover. Don't stop until you get to where it says the end. Revelation chapter 22. So it's like, well, Jimmy, I don't want to read all that in Leviticus. I will slaughtering all those animals and, you know, that Levitical law. Listen, it'll make sense when you get to Hebrews. Start reading in the book of Genesis. If we are not reading the entire Bible, we have a skewed uh, vision of who God really is. God is much wider, broader, and deeper than we have ever experienced. If we're just picking and choosing, we're not really getting the, the full depth. Of God's Word. So do this. Let's just, you know, take the challenge. Look at it as a a mental crossfit. And uh, it'll take you, if you, I prefer to listen, some of your auditory listeners, your learners, uh, begin to listen to God's Word. You know, on iPods, there are many good readers, a new version. Uh, It'll take you about 12 minutes a day to get all the way through in a year, or about 40 hours if you want to just, you know, put your pages on the, put your eyes on a page. But begin reading the Bible, and and, uh, I can't really emphasize this enough. You know, cults are started by uh, people just taking a few verses out of context. If you'll begin to read front to back, the whole shebang, it's like, Jimmy, I don't want to read about Joshua going in and slaughtering all these people. That was for a purpose. You'll understand as you begin to read. You know, Joshua went in under the command of God. You know, God is a righteous God. Amen? Amen. He is a holy God. If God did not punish evil, then he would not be good. God brings punishment. The Bible says the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. So God brings judgment for hopefully repentance and restoration. God did that for a purpose. Begin in Genesis, we read to Revelation. You will get the full understanding and scope of what God is saying. So by reading the scriptures, uh, you'll get... Give us that next scripture there. Uh, You'll get... An idea of what God's word really is. It's a standard. You know, uh, if you ever hang, hung fence boards uh, like I have, you know, you put the fence boards up there. And it's like after a while, it's kind of like, oh, is this really straight? Uh, my, my sister's next door neighbor, the guys went out there and they, they put up the fence. And it's like all this gyration. And you think, what were they drinking? But uh, the, 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 the level it's like a standard, right? It's like a compass that always points to true north, wherever north is. That's the standard, the plumb line. God's word is a standard. You know, the Bible tells us in the last days, there'll be a great falling away. God's word is that standard that will hold us and keep us, secure us in the times of the storm. You know, sometimes we look and it's like, well, that person has gotten off in, you know, deception. The Bible tells us, uh, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. You know, your mind, our minds are a dangerous place to go in alone. You know, I was thinking this morning about, and you history guys will know this, if you've ever gone to Washington to force theater, you go in there and it's like, you see where Abraham Lincoln one of our greatest presidents was killed. Well, they asked John Wilkes Booth later, why why did you shoot the president? Remember that? God told me to. Really? When they went and found the guy, uh, John Wilkes Booth in the barn, One of the soldiers shot him as he came out or when he was in the barn. Why'd you kill him? We wanted to bring him back for trial. God told me to. Really? see, God's word is a standard. It's a plumb line. It's going to tell us what's right and wrong. Our mind may tell us one thing, but God's word will always align with truth. The Bible tells us in the book of John chapter 14, 26, he will teach you all things and bring things to your members. I want to challenge you today. There's two things you're going to see happen. Number one, somebody's going to come in your life. God's going to bring someone into your life that's got problems. They're going to have marriage problems. They're going to have health issues, maybe finances, maybe problems with their children. They're going to, God's going to give you the opportunity to share with them. You are responsible to put it here so that God can do that and bring it to your remembrance and out of your heart. Number two, somebody's going to ask you one day, I guarantee. Someone's going to ask you, well, have you read the Bible? Yeah, I sure did. I read it cover to cover. I started July 16th. If you haven't done it, I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. Begin to read it cover to cover. When are you going to read? Start Genesis. When are we going to stop? Amen. When it says the end. You know, we partner as it were. With the Holy Spirit, so the Bible tells us faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. If you're having struggles with your faith, don't. It's like, well, would you please confirm to me I'm I'm, I'm a Christian? And I struggled with that for years. You know, am I really a Christian? Am I really saved? Is my name really written in the Book of Life? Maybe you've had a similar struggle. If we look in God's Word and read God's Word, if our eyes are hitting the pages, it's going to destroy those doubts. It's going to destroy the doubt because God, this is God's promise. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if we're not renewing our mind, then we become a target for the enemy because he comes into our minds and he says, hey, hath God said? Well, if we're reading God's word back to the standard, no, he hasn't said. His word says this. What did Jesus do when he was in the wilderness? Remember the enemy came and tempted him those three times? What did he do every time? Amen. Quoted scripture. Thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. It's critical for you and I to renew our minds. The Bible tells us don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of our mind. Ben, you're doing a good job. People know that. Renewing our mind by the word of God. Okay. Um. and then I want you to remember this, uh, as you're reading, you're going to hit some hard, hard, spots along the way. If you've already gone through the Bible, you know that you're going to get in some spots. where it's like, well, this is this book of Job, man, Jimmy, that's kind of, kind of like what's going on. Keep reading the good stuff's on the other side. Don't forget God has got a purpose. He's revealing himself, Right, he, God wants to have a relationship with us, each one of us. He wants to reveal Himself to us. He's going to primarily do that through the Holy Record. Uh, I want to, you to remember something, though. There's a verse of Scripture I want you to hold on to. The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness and truth, faithfulness. He is who you want to hold on to during those tough times. He keeps mercy and loving kindness for thousands forgiving iniquity and, and, um, and transgression and sin. So in, in those difficult times, when you feel it's like, God, why would you do this? I don't understand what you're doing. I don't understand. I don't even really, you know, I don't really like you. I've heard that. Uh, you know, sometimes you'll read something. that's like, God, why in the world would you do this? Why are you just slaughtering all these people in Canaan? Well, God had a purpose for it. Again, I want you to remember this. If you forget everything else I say today, I want you to remember what I'm about to read to you. God poured out his judgment and wrath on Jesus at the cross. Hold on to this truth, which is his revealed character. Hold this in your heart when you read the difficult passages all the way through, cover to cover. And you'll begin to see that God is far greater, grander, and more mysterious, more loving and gracious more pure and holy and perfect than any little box that you may have him in. You know, if we're just picking here and there, and then we're we're really not getting a complete vision of who our, our Father is. How mysterious he is, and he you know he wants to reveal himself to you, but it is incumbent upon us to to um, to search the Scriptures. It will fundamentally humble you as you read and endeavor. To understand the Word of God. Let me just say this. If you're not on a Bible reading plan, let me recommend one that I really enjoy. I've been using it since last year. Of course, there are a lot of good ones. It's called the Bible Recap. What I really like about this particular one is two-tiered. So there's a reading plan. that you can use that'll get you through the scriptures. You can listen to it, as I said, take you about 12 minutes a day. We all have 12 minutes a day on the way to work or when we're exercising or cooking supper, just pop your plugs in and, uh, and listen to God's word. And then the really cool thing I like about it, there's a podcast that accompanies that. So uh, what the host will do, will unpack the more difficult pieces of scripture that need explanation. She'll give you the backstory, but most of all, she'll help you to look for God in the text. And that's what I want to. I'm going to just help you kind of whet your appetites this morning by showing you this. Um, but let me read something to you. God wants to, to reveal himself to us. But sometimes it's like, well, where are you Got in this passage? You know, you remember the passage of scripture where it says Jesus was on the road to Emmaus. And he appeared to the disciples. Remember that? And he was talking to them and unpacking the Old Testament to them. And it says they got to Emmaus and Jesus acted like he was going on down the road. You remember that? And they said, No, 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 it's late in the day. Come, come have supper with us, spend the night. My point is, Jesus acted like he was going on down the road. See, God wants to be pursued, he will be found of us when we search for him with all our heart. So, have you ever at, read the Bible, read a passage of scripture or a chapter, and it's like, Huh? I have no clue. This makes no sense to me. Is that, you ever come up with a blank stare like I have? Yeah, it's like, uh, this just doesn't make any sense. I want to give you a couple of tips this morning. It says in the book of Job, I've waited for you to speak. I listened to your thoughts as you searched for words. I gave you my full attention. So let me read something to you this morning. This is a true story. Sir William Osler was one of the most influential physicians in history. He is called the father of modern medicine for good reason. He is one of the founding professors of John Hopkins Hospital. He created the first medical residency program. He was obsessed with attention to detail. This is good. While serving as medical professor at Oxford, he would stress to his students that careful observation was key to an accurate diagnosis of the patient's condition. So this is a true story. Sitting before him one day in a classroom was full of, Uh, Wide-eyed medical students listening to his lecture on the importance of observing details. To emphasize this point, he reached down, picked up a a bottle. Holding it high, he he announced, this bottle contains a sample for analysis. Okay, what do you think was in the bottle? (laughs) It was what you think it was. (laughs) He said, holding it high, it's often possible by tasting it to determine the disease from which the patient suffers. Suiting action to his words, he dipped his finger into the fluid and brought it to his mouth to taste the sample. Now, I'm going to pass the bottle around. Each of you do exactly as I did. Perhaps you can learn the importance of this technique and diagnose the case. The bottle made its way from row to row as each student gingerly poked his finger in the bottle and bravely sampled the contents with a frown. Dr. Oslo retrieved the bottle and startled his students with these words. Gentlemen, now you will understand what I mean when I speak about detail. Had you been observant, you would have seen that I put my index finger into the bottle and my middle finger into my mouth. (laughs) So... um, Let me encourage you. We need to open our eyes and focus. We need to force ourselves to observe, to take notice, to read the scriptures like a detective examining the evidence. You know, Max spoke to us last week. He's a journalist. He's looking for the evidence, right? We want to discipline ourselves to look for the particulars of a passage. So this is a little exercise. When you're out in nature, don't just see a bird flying across the sky. Oh, that's a robin or a blue jay or a sparrow. Oh, that's not just a tree, that's a live oak. Oh that's oh yeah, that's a slash pine, or oh that's a weeping willow or dogwood. Oh that's not just a car. See, that's a Kia or a Beamer or a Nissan or a Silverado. Train your eyes for detail. Look for that in the passage. Don't simply hear the narrative. Listen for the emotions that are in the narrative. Look for the picture, the detailed concepts. And one more thing, look for the the nature of God. I'm going to show you this in just a minute. Look for the nature of God. The character of God. Look for the attributes of God in the text. You know, we're all guilty of it. And I know I am too. We look at a piece of scripture. We look at a text. and We see ourselves in the text, right? It's like, well, I'm doing okay with that. I'm going to check the box. Not so much with this. You know, I'm not really doing too good with patience. Not really doing too good with this anxiety. Folks, that's not why God wrote his word to, for us to go through and check boxes. Sometimes we get a mental image that Jesus is just over there like, you know, like going to Chunky Cheese and knocking down all the little moles down or the weasels, whatever they are. Jesus is not looking to just hit us over the head. He's, he's giving us the text for a reason. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his life? Full disclosure, I have had times in my life, even to, you know, ongoing, that I will get worried or anxious. It's hard. Jesus says this text, gives us this text for a reason. Let's look at it for just a second. And think about it. You know, you may say, well, it's easy for Jesus to say. I mean, he was God. He didn't get anxious, folks. The Bible says he was tempted, tempted in all points, like as we are, yet without sin. Right? So, and and think about Jesus grew up with a family. The Bible tells us in Mark chapter six, verse three, names his four half brothers. He had sisters. The same verse, so at least two, Mary and Joseph and Jesus. So at least nine people lived in probably was one a one room home, simple modest home. Nine people. Think about that. In Mark chapter 3, Jesus and his disciples didn't even have time to eat. Uh, He knew what hungry meant. (laughs) He knew that. Standing in line, you know, waiting for your food. Uh, He he knew what it was like to be hungry. Uh, The very next verse there in Mark chapter 3, read it. His family thought he was off the rails, they thought he had lost it. Today it was like, Mom, we got to have Jesus committed. I mean, he's coming off the rails, he's lost it. How would you feel? Jesus gets us, folks. He understands what it's like to struggle with these same emotions. He did not sin. He was the creator that became a criminal. He was deity, but he was wrapped in humanity. In his humanity, Jesus understands. He gets us. So if we look at the text, Jesus was speaking that day to who? He's a Sermon on the Mount. He's speaking to fishermen. He's speaking to farmers. He's speaking to shepherds. He gets their anxiety. If it doesn't rain, you can't make a crop. Your family can starve. Or if your nets are coming in every day, you're fishermen and they're empty. You know, how are you going to feed your family? Or if you're a shepherd and there's no rain from the skies for your sheep uh, to be able to eat in the pastures, you know, you can't sustain a business. These people knew it. And Jesus was trying to relate to them, give them something. As we look at the text... Let's go back to the first part of it. Jesus said, look at the birds of the air. Now, what are we looking for? Not just birds, but sparrows, crows, blackbirds, whatever. Look for the details in the text. Jesus is telling them, consider them. Consider them. Consider the birds. What I want to try to bring out here is, is God is active. He's attentive. He just doesn't leave us on our own. You know, it's like, oh, I'm sorry about you humans. no. Jesus is speaking to people that were concerned. They had anxiety just like we do today. They had concerns, they had worries. Jesus said, Your father in heaven is attentive. He is active, folks. You're more value than, think about it, you're more value. You could stack up all the crows on the planet, and that would be impressive out in the field. You're more value than all those crows. Think about that. Your father, those birds are fat and happy. Your father in heaven is feeding them, then why are we worried and anxious? Because we forget how trustworthy God is. We forget our father. We forget the promises. We need to remember who God is. He is attentive. And that's the value of looking uh, in the text for what who God is. So 366 times scripture tells us, do not fear, do not be afraid. What was the first thing he said to the shepherds? Fear not. What was the first thing you said to Zachariah, John the Baptist's father? Fear not. What was the first thing you said to Mary? What was the first thing that Adam said to. <laughs> I better not say this. I guess I can. What was the first thing Adam said to Eve? Ooh la la. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Invest. <laughs> that was in the notes. I was just extra. Invest in spreading God's word. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then hid it. Uh, he hid it again, and and then with joy went and sold all he had and bought the field. You know, we invest in God's word when we share it and support those who are actually sharing it. Let me ask you this: When's the last time that you shared? Uh, a track or a little Bible You know we, we take those down to Cuba all the time The, uh, the little pocket uh, New Testaments from from the Gideons You can get them for free When is the last time that you shared that And you say well well, Jimmy I, I don't know People already don't read them How do you know they don't read them You know it's, it's incumbent upon us To share God's word You know God can use the word And you may say well Jimmy I don't know what to say to these people You know well, don't say anything God's word can stand alone Give us that next text. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. You know, uh, God let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. When I was 16 years old, I was at my grandparents' house one summer. I picked up a little track. Four spiritual laws uh, produced by Campus Crusade for Christ. I began to open that and begin to read all of sin and come short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. As many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God. I sat on that bed right there at my grandparents' house and began to weep because God took that word in my heart and broke me in repentance. I received Christ as my Savior right there that day. That one little tract. Somebody God had somebody spend a little money. It changed the trajectory, of me, the trajectory of my life. Think of just one little track. and You know, you think about all the opportunities. If you go to a restaurant, you know, leave it a good tip. But leave the restaurant there uh, for the waitress or a, a Uber driver or pizza delivery or service technician. We have opportunity. Rarely have I seen anyone refuse to take a copy of God's word. And then the last thing. We're going to talk invest in his work. So living, we know, comes through giving. Jesus set the best example for us. Mark chapter 10, he says, The Son of Man came not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Many of you are already involved in, in ministry, and I commend you. You know, you're, you're caring for an elderly parent or you're chasing grandkids. Uh, maybe you're uh, working in the nursery. God bless you. <laughs> Back there, uh, serving in children's church, uh, just helping out, leading a small group. Whatever you do, thank you. And God sees that and God will bless you. For those of you that are not involved in a personal ministry, let me encourage you this week to just pray. God, use me. Use me. Sometimes, you know, we make it complicated. Sometimes all it is is just, hey, let's go grab some coffee. You know, we live in what they call the dialogues of the deaf. We live in a society where there's so much chatter going on out there, you know, on social platforms. We're the listeners. You know, we're the listeners. (laughs) uh, Yeah, he's my progeny. (laughs) Um, All we need to do is look for the opportunity to invite somebody out for coffee. Uh, Years ago, we had a um, Dr. Ross Campbell. Some of you may have read his book, a wonderful book called How to Really Love Your Child. Uh, He was featured on Dr. James Thompson's program, uh, Focus on the Family. Uh, One thing that Dr. Campbell featured, he was a child psychiatrist, by the way. In his book, How to Really Love Your Child, he said, you fill your children's emotional tank with basically three three concepts. Focused attention, eye contact, and physical touch. And I would submit to you, all of us are pretty much like that. If you get across the table from someone... Having a cup of coffee. Give them some focused attention. Give them some eye contact. Reach over and hug them. You know, people need to know that they're validated. They need to know they're appreciated and connected. There are people that come in those doors. I've seen it. And, you know, I've hugged someone before and it's like, I needed that. You know, we take that for granted, but there are a lot of people that are just detached out of our culture, especially today with the social media as it is. They look for some type of connection, but that's a poor connection. You know, Jesus wants us in community. And if you're not in a small group, let me encourage you to do that. Come on Wednesday night. Maybe you're not connected right now with the men's group. Let me encourage you to do that. Uh, God has something, I promise you, good in store. Last thing I want us to look at, is uh i wanted this is kind of personal i wanted to share it with you my life philosophy there's a couple of things there that uh, will dovetail with our lesson this morning it's, this has been on my fridge for many years i don't always hit the mark but i do try love god more than you fear hell once a week let a child take you on a walk make your major decisions in a cemetery when no one is watching live as if someone is Succeed at home first. Don't spend tomorrow's money today. Pray twice as much as you fret. Listen twice as much as you speak. Listen. It's different from hearing. Listen twice as much as you speak. Two ears, one mouth, as they say. People we need to be, you know, we show people that we love them by listening. We show them we love them by listening. We've got a lot of talkers out in the culture and you see them too. But we need some people to listen, to engage people, to listen. There's a lot of hurt out there. Only harbor a grudge when God does. Never outgrow your love of sunsets. Treat people like angels. You will meet some and help make some. It is wiser to err on the side of generosity than on the side of scrutiny. God has forgiven you. You'd be wise to do the same. When you can't trust God's hand, trust His heart. Leave the unknowable. Leave the unknowable with the all-knowing. Toot your own horn and your notes will be flat. Don't feel guilty for God's goodness. The book of life is lived in chapters, so know your page number. Never let the importance be the victim of the trivial. Live your liturgy. You know, one day it's guaranteed, folks, everybody in here is going to die. If Jesus tarries, everyone in here is going to die. Ben or someone else is going to be preaching our funeral. We want to have lived that liturgy. It's that song Steve Green used to sing. Not all that come behind us find us faithful. May the fire of our devotion light their way. May the footsteps that we leave, lead them to believe and the lives we live, inspire them to obey. Never let the uh, important be the victim of the trivial. Live your liturgy to sum it all up. Approach life like a voyage on a schooner. Enjoy the view. Explore the vessel. Make friends with the captain. Fish a little and then get off when you get home. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? You know, Jesus said one day, You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. He was talking to a rabbinic scholar one night by the name of Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was wondering how... Yeah, just asking him some questions. And Jesus said, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. I want to ask you that this morning. Have you been born again? Those of you watching online, have you been born again? The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 19, all those whose names were not found in the book of life were cast into the lake of fire. As Ben says, no one prays alone. I want you to pray with me this morning as we join in a common prayer. Father God we come to you in the name of Jesus I am a great sinner but I serve a great Savior I repent of my sins and ask your forgiveness receive me as your son and save me and write my name in your Lamb's book of life And I give you all the glory and thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen.